Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. My part this morning is really just to reorientate us around the kind of church that we are, and Daz is going to lead us forward. But maybe it's been assumed knowledge for you around the type of church that Northwest Church is, or assumed knowledge, uh, and it's never been articulated to you. But we just want to take this opportunity uh, because early on in Daz and my ministry, we were impacted by people who had this thought what if church wasn't about people who only know God? What if church wasn't just for them? What if you could actually come to church and you could understand it? What if we actually flung our doors wide open to people who didn't yet know God, not just in word, not just in deed, but considered people who had never been to church in every single thing that we did? So Daz and I would take car trips and we would just talk for endless hours about this. We'd get so excited. It, it really was something that just lit a flame in our hearts. The thought that, that actually you could invite your friend to church and they would be able to understand everything or for at least the most part of what was going on. That not only that, that, that actually they might enjoy it. That was a novel thought for us. We were, like, we, it just would take up time. You wanted your friend to be there. You see, the church that I grew up in, I absolutely loved. It's made me who I am and I, I'm not, I, I absolutely, I'm so grateful for it. But I would apologise to my friends when I invited them to church before they got there. I would explain to them ahead of time of what they would encounter when they came to church. I would explain that maybe someone behind you might start yelling behind you in church in a different language, that's okay. And they'd be like, why, why would they do that? It just happens. I don't know. <laughs> you just got to get used to it. We're going to sing songs that maybe you're not going to understand about washing you in the blood and, and, and actually that you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. We're not going to make you do that. And none of that's going to come near you, but it's just songs. And, and don't worry if you don't understand the words. Oh, and people are going to pray. And sometimes you won't hear them. Everything will just go a bit quiet, but people will pray. That's people are praying. And if you do hear them, you might not understand the words. Don't worry about it. And I'd actually apologise to my friends and explain what would happen at church before they got there. Now, I understand that you might still do some explaining when you invite people to our church, to your church. Uh, for example, I met a friend outside prep one day and she said, are you one of those born-agains? Is your church a born-again church? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she said, oh, you know. And I was like, yeah, yes, actually, that's a born-again church, that's us. So, but we thought, what if we tried to get rid of any barriers inside the church? Like so much of what we do is just tradition. What if we tried to tear down every barrier uh, that actually people could enjoy it? What if we decided to not make it difficult for those who were turning to God? What then? And so the language that we put around it, around this change, around this new type of service was that we wanted to reach seekers and build believers. Now, what we didn't realise was how upset people would get. And for a while there, Jazz and I were the only ones who enjoyed coming to church because no one likes change. And we were so used to the way that we were doing things and everything changed. We were reaching, we, our services were targeted to reach seekers and build believers. You see, Jesus instructed us to go, to go into all the world and make disciples. And so as Northwest Church, we're determined that individually and collectively we will always go, that we'll go into the world, that we will find those who are far from God and reach them with the love of God. And that also we will find those who are seeking for something more and invite them to the love of God and invite them to church as well. We will always go and we will gather. 
We believe that part of what we need to do is have compelling gatherings, that it's not some religious traditional obligation where you tick the box or shut the person up that invited you, but actually that you come and encounter the presence of God, that like Mia said, a feeling goes on on the inside that God is actually working. The amount of people that come to church and say to me, I don't know what's going on. I'm not a crier, but when the music starts, I just start crying. And I say to them, that's the Holy Spirit. That's that's God wanting you to know that He loves you where people come and encounter the love of other people. Now, for us, that looks like being a friendly church. For me, you know, as a compulsive hugger, it looks like me invading your personal space, and I'm getting help with that. But, but for us, we certainly want every single person to be talked to. And if that's not your experience, please let me tell you, we're working on that. We really wanted that to be the culture of our church, that everyone is talked to, that everyone is known, that everyone is loved. So we gather together. Also, we grow. We read the Bible together. We share our lives together in small groups. We, we consider discipleship vitally important. We want to take people from inquiry and infancy through to maturity and destiny. And though we're not there yet, we're continually working on ways to bring that about. We go, we gather, and we grow. And we believe that this is our mandate as Northwest Church, that we never resolve the tension of reaching seekers and building believers. That if we do, in fact, resolve that tension, if we stop reaching seekers and just build believers, then we'll die out in not too many years. But if we stop building believers and only reach seekers, then we'll be an immature church and we don't want to be that either. We want to reach seekers and build believers, which means that none of us will ever be truly happy. I'm sorry. It's the tension that we don't want to resolve and we want to do it by going. We want to do it by growing and gathering. Go, gather, grow, reach cedars and plant cedars and uh, reach seekers and build believers. We added a few years ago to that raising churches raising churches, reach seekers, build believers, raising churches. We really felt called that God would take what we felt was on us as a church and and put those unique expressions in other towns as well, raising churches. And then God confirmed that by giving Daz and I roles where we were able to come alongside churches and help them. But we also believe it's for us collectively as a church that we're meant to be doing that together. And that's actually, if we call Northwest Church home, that that's part of who we are. So reach seekers, building believers, raising churches. That's our mandate. That's the kind of church we are. And will you welcome... Bron just talked to you about um, reaching seekers, about building, building believers, about raising churches. And w- we didn't plan it this way, but it's an interesting thought, I think, that this morning and last week you saw on the video, um, um, Mick and Mia Dormer. Um, Mick and Mia Dormer, their only church is this church. They became Christians and three or four weeks later they were part of this church. They were seekers who came to church and Mick would tell his mates, and some of them are Christians in this church now, he'd say, you've got to come to our church. Our our pastor's like, he's just like a rough head football player. It's not what you expect. And so for him, reaching seekers became his life being built as a believer. He and me are raising churches to the point where we'll announce something that they're part of. Like they are raising churches. They are built believers and building. And their lives have been absolutely transformed. And then you've got the cooks who weren't going to church, came along to a Christmas service and just became solid believers. They are people who themselves reach seekers and live their Christian faith incredibly well. Um, They are believers who are built. They're so committed to raising churches that they've been involved in raising ours for years, um, but also even went, not halfway, more than halfway around the world to do the same. 
And so when you think about the idea that we're a church that reach seekers, that build believers, that raise churches, quite accidentally they were the households we put on the platform. And I think it speaks volumes to just how sincerely committed we are to it. Uh, have we perfected the art? Of course not, uh, as Bron said. Um, but it's a good story. And we think it should be the story for lots of people, actually for thousands of people, um, that are going to be within the reach of our church. Who was here this morning when I misread 2 Corinthians? Okay, I just, I just realized what happened. So here is the passage, right? Can you see that on my right at the top of the page? Now here is the problem. But the sentence, when you put it together like that, right? I don't know if you saw that, but this morning I was trying to read 2 Corinthians, which is just up here. And then tonight I was just thought, I've got to read that correctly tonight. And then I realized that I was reading 2 Corinthians 9 and 2 Corinthians 10. And we'll see how it goes tonight. Who does that? Yeah, me. Yeah. I've just ripped Isaiah. I think I need a new Bible. Listen to this. Let me pray first. Heavenly Father, you're the God who is well able. God, I know that if you win the heart, the rest will flow. If you win the heart, the rest flows. It becomes such, become such an ease. So may you win our hearts tonight all over again, I pray in Jesus' name. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. What a promise. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Isaiah 58, 11 and 12. I was 23 years old. It was 1994. And um, that... Those two verses just gripped my heart. It's a long story. But from that day to this, from 1994 to this very day, I would read that passage of Scripture most weeks of my life. It, you know, I wake up in the morning and I read it. It keeps me on mission. I believe in the promise of God. And from 1994 to 2006, it really, I never saw anything come from it. And then from 2006, in 2005, we started to pastor to this day. That has been our story as a church. I mean, really, if you think about it, it doesn't matter where you think, whether it's Tamworth or Armidale or Gyra or Bendemir, um, less Bendemir, um, um, or Gyra or Gunnada, Gyra was already strong. But if you think about everything else, that has been our story. To, to restore, to raise up, that is what God has used us to do to this point. For 14 years, with a handful of people to this moment, that has been our story. That, that Bible passage has come to pass. I think, it, I think it's a great snapshot of what's been, and I think it's the essence of what's to come. And we're going to talk just for a few minutes about that tonight. And, and I would say to you tonight, as we sit here, there are lots of churches doing lots of good things. There are lots of great churches just in our own community. But if you want to be part of seeing the kingdom of God expand, yes, in our city and way beyond it, this is a good place to be. You will never, you might notice this now, but you might never be, you might not even be interested. I often worship like this. Here's how I worship. 
I'll put this hand in the air like that and I'll put this in the air like that. And the reason I do that is this. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a prophet. And the prophet and the land has been in drought for I forget how many years. It might be seven years. God speaks to the prophet. And so the prophet speaks to his servant. And he says, hey, God's, God's going to break the drought. And he sends a servant out and the servant goes to look for clouds and he doesn't find anything. He comes back. Seven times it happens. And on the seventh time he goes forward after years and years of drought and he comes back and reports to the prophet and the prophet, he says to the prophet, uh, I see a tiny cloud out over the waters, I think it is. And it's like the size of a fist. And the prophet says, let them know the drought is broken and the rain is coming. And so I often worship like that because the things we're about to talk about, I believe are like the fist. And it takes people of faith and people of commitment and people of courage. We we can let the moment go and it just stays a fist for the rest of the time. But what I know is what what our history tells me about our future is that those who will see the fist and will take hold of its future will see that passage come to pass in your lifetime. You'll see it. These guys sitting here, as bad as they might be, except for you, Blakey, you're an absolute legend. But these other boys sitting here with you, as bad as they might be, one day we could be sending them, right, to launch churches, to be business people in churches that are underwriting it, to who knows what they're going to be. But right here is the seed of the future. There's a fist on the horizon and nobody's got a clue what is upon their lives yet. And that's the same as a church. Here we are, hidden in the background of nowhere at the ends of the earth. Tamworth but it's a fist. And when they brought back news, the prophet says, let them know that the drought is broken and the rain is coming. And so tonight, I want to take you there for a few minutes. I want us to think about this. I expect that we've called this Catalyst Sunday and the reason we've called it Catalyst Sunday is I believe this is a catalyst moment with an expansive future. Uh, I'm not trying to talk something up. We've got a history of the same thing. We said the same thing in 2006 around Enlarge Year 10 and that happened. We said the same thing around 2014 where we had the same sense, expand your territory, and that happened. And here we're sitting in 2019, September 16, I think it is, 2015, 2019, we're already in tomorrow, we've already got faith for it, 2019, and I believe this is a catalyst moment for an expansive future. It starts today and it will begin to unfold from this place. God is on the move and he is up to something and he's going to spark people's Hearts. He's going to speak to people's hearts in ways they didn't see coming. Every time one of those things has happened to me, I've not seen it coming. It's come from somewhere. I've gone, oh, I think that was God. He's going to speak to people in ways that, and, and here's what I would ask you to do, just to, just to determine, we'll pray in, in a few minutes, just to be open, because here's what I know. God will get you from the side. He'll get you from behind. He'll whisper to your ear when your mind is on something else. And when you and I listen to that whisper, when you and I listen to that thought, I want you to know there's something in that that has a dynamic future. There's something going on in that. When Bron and I were driving through, oh, she wasn't here. When I was driving through town in 2001 and I heard that, Thing to my heart, go, Darren, you're coming here for a long time. That became a game changer. I'm believing that for you, that God's going to spark something. He's going to, in some of you, reignite something that's been dormant for a while as it relates to his cause and your calling, as it relates to building Jesus' church and to seeing people come to faith and then going on and growing in their life. Believing that to go on tonight. Believing that to break out over the next few days. Boy, I sound like a Pentecostal. That's going to break out. That's very Pentecostal of me. 
What's going on there, Pastor Mike? You're influencing me. Something's going to break out, Pastor Mike. But a stirring, an uprising, something to go on in our days. And as he rallies our heart, may you and I respond like the prophet Jeremiah, who said, here am I, send me. Here am I, God, use me. Here am I, God, my, my hand's in the air. And all I ask you at the start of this is to be open, because if you close, we're already done. Have you, uh, we just had Shane Willard with us, and uh, how that guy just, he messes with my mind in the best possible way. And, and Shane Willard says, when I hear someone start with their conclusion, I don't go there. I just ask them what their conclusion is because their mind is already made up. What I'm asking you is don't come with a conclusion tonight. Don't come to a, with a conclusion about rise and build. or you, you may as well go and eat supper now, which you're welcome to, but you, that'll feel awkward, so don't. But, but don't come with a conclusion. A conclusion's unhelpful to you. It's not unhelpful to me. God will provide. God will make a way. Uh, when this is all over, when this Rise and Build offering is done, I'm not getting a pay rise. In fact, if I can just be really clear with you, I've actually taken a pay cut by my own free will. I get paid by our church two days a week. I went from full-time to part-time so that we could do other things as a church and spread the money. And believe me, we've got enough money for me to be full-time. So I'm not getting a win out of this. This is not about Bron getting a pay rise. She's not. Mike and Trish might, but Bron's not. <laughs> this is about the kingdom of God. This is about people coming to faith in Jesus. This is about people's lives rising. This is about churches building. This is about, actually, it's about reshaping the landscape in a generation. So let me talk to you about the things, about the things which we're going to do. Tonight I want to talk catalyst moment in an expanding future. I'm just going to give you tonight the five headline thoughts around what we're going to do Five plus one. It's five plus one because the sixth thing isn't an outworking, it's just something that's happening. Five plus one. Here is what we're going to do over the next five years. So if you know me, I've got more thought. I'll have more thoughts tomorrow than I had today. But if I try and work them all out, we'll have chaos, we'll have exhaustion, and I'll have people looking at me going, Dan, we can't really do that. So we've sought God. Brian and I worked on a plan. We've given it to others. And we've gone, we believe if God turns up, we can get this done. And so I'm going to give you those five plus one things tonight. And then I'm going to uh, just talk about rise and build with the couple of minutes we'll have left after that. So here are the five things plus one that we're going to do over the next five years. Here's number one. We're going to launch a chapel service in Tamworth. Now, I want to give you a date for that so that it's fixed. It's not in the never-never. So next February, we will. I've already checked with Pastor Mike that this timeline works. Next February, we'll launch the chapel. The chapel is a completely different kind of church. See, we're sitting in a church right now that they call modern contemporary. Bron and I jokingly call it new traditional because we've been doing it for a whole generation now. We've been doing it for a long time, this kind of church. It's been effective, still effective. We're going to continue to do it. But uh, we call it new traditional. And if you'd have um, spoken to my granddad in 1967, 1968, and said to him, hey, um, Pop, we're thinking about a church. It's going to have like a rock band for worship. And uh, the preachers, uh, they're not going to wear shirt and ties. They're not going to look like a Mormon bicycle rider. They're, they're actually, they're just going to look normal, Pop. And um, we're not going to use the accordion anymore. And uh, we want you to know that we're going to have a clock for our church service. 
first of all, he not only now thinks I'm a heretic, he thinks I'm unspiritual. And, and you know, on and on and on, and away you go. Pop, we're going to have lights like a concert. Now, we know, Pop, that lights don't matter, but we're just trying to create an environment that would be conducive to, you know. My granddad would have kicked you out of his church and said, that'll never work. That sounds like hell. And here we are. That kind of church born out of the suburbs of Sydney has reshaped the church landscape around the nation and across the globe. You can go down village tracks in India. You can go to the greatest cities in the world like New York and London and Paris and you'll find a church that was invented and created out of the suburbs of Sydney and has reshaped the landscape around the globe. Well, what's next? Because that's now the new traditional. I'm committed that we might be part of what God does next. But you're hearing about it tonight, but we've been on this journey for about three years in the background, just getting ready for what we think God might do. So number one is the chapel, going to be a different kind of church. We're going to launch it here in February next year. And, uh, and that's a bold risk for us because I'll tell you what pastors like more than anything. They like full rooms. And so the moment we launch another service in the AM, we lose some of the full room. And if you've got any ego attached to it as a pastor, you're in trouble. So it's a risk for us, but I think it's going to be good. I think you're going to... But we're not doing it so Christians just love it. We're not trying to build another option that's preferable to people. We want to reach more seekers. We want to build more believers. We want to raise the next generation of churches. So that's number one. Here's number two coming up on the screen. Launch a chapel. We're going to launch a chapel um, on the coast. So not just a service, a purpose-built venue for what we call the chapel. And we'll explain that to you next year. In fact, in just one week from now, Mick and Mia Dorma moved to the coast to launch a connect group for us in the coming months with the idea and the plan that we'll build towards a chapel launching there. Uh, we've got measures and all those things that you need to get there and, and we'll be launching that there. And, um, and so that's coming. And that's how we'll do the church moving forward. That's our plan. We'll see how it goes. I could be unemployed if none of this works. <laughs> Number three, we're going to launch the chapel it's a new kind of church in partner churches. So for us right now, that's Armidale. So providing Armidale stays a partner church, I can't go into that right at this minute. Um, uh, we'll launch a chapel there and start to build that and reach a whole new demographic. When we originally came up with the idea, the idea was what if we launched them in second tier university towns? So the two towns we're going to are those kinds of towns and um, believing God for a, a move of God amongst a generation that's emerging. And so that's number three. Number four, we're going to transform Northwest kids and, and our youth over the, the next five years. And that, that, that involves programming and it involves um, outdoor grounds and indoor buildings. And over the next five years, that's our plan to absolutely transform. Our, our kids and youth programs should be unrecognisable with where they are now. I mean, we've got great leaders, but they, they should be, they're going to be transformed. Um, from the, the facilities, but even, even for young families. You know, a lot of young families coming through now don't have the foundation that families did a generation ago in the church, and we want to change that. We want to create a holistic kids' um, environment where, where the family's built and kids are built and they come out of that strong and that their families are strong from the ground up in Jesus' name. That's number four. Number five. Number five. We're going to launch the Village Church Experiment. Is anyone interested in that idea? Had a few people interested after the service this morning already. The Village Church Experiment. Um, uh, Chris, you don't need to come. Sorry. That wasn't said very pastorally, was it? 
Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, right. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, thank God I said it to you. No, she's tough. She's, she's got it. Um, <clears throat> we're only going to be a couple of minutes. The village church experiment. You know, lots of little rural villages um, had churches but don't. And so we want to, where, where churches aren't, we want to go. Where churches have closed, we want to open. And we're not precious. We're not, we're, we don't care if they're 10 people or 20 people. It's not about people, it's about presence. It's about having churches in those communities. And, and I won't go into what we've already been doing in preparation for that. But here's where it, it really comes in for you. If, if you lead a connect group in our church well, or if you run a team really well, and, and you like to pastor something in your heart, we want to set you up with all the gear. We're going to set you up with um, pre-recorded worship from Mark and Darlene Check that they've designed for us. Um, we're going to be able to set you up with world-class content teaching um, live or on a screen pre-recorded. We'll be doing both. We're going to set you up. We're going to buy all the equipment to fit out a room in a chapel kind of way. We're going to find the right venue. But before we do that, we're going to train you for 10 weeks. We're going to train you for 10 weeks. Probably Pastor Mike's going to train you for 10 weeks. We're going to get you ready. We're going to get you ready to go and then take your connect group. And, and here's how we're going to do it because we think it's important that we stay connected. You, 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 and so Sunday morning, people who lead those um, gatherings will still be here. And then Sunday after lunch, they'll just head out with, with the trailer behind them or the place we've rented. And they'll head out and do that pioneer work, you know, out in little communities. And so the village church experiment, we're going to take a year and really go for it around that. Uh, we could have zero because no one wants to do it because it's really not on me. It's on you. It, it, it could be one and that would be wonderful. It could be 10. Who knows? Who knows where that begins and ends? But what we want to do is we want to create an opportunity. We want to create the uh, environment where that can kind of happen. That's number five. And then there's plus one. And so I'll show you this image. This is plus one. The chapel. Given that we're going to launch chapels, given we're going to start chapel services, and given we're going to call our village churches village chapels, um, very soon we'll change the name of our church to the chapel, including Northwest Hamworth, um, because we see it as part of our long-term future. Um, one of the errors I made, actually my brother came up with the name Northwest on a short timeline. One of the errors I made was limiting us to the northwest and so we were stuck we call it east north south west church or um or we could change the name and so um so moving forward our church will be called the chapel that that change will happen in due course and uh we'll um talk to the tamworth community all that kind of stuff and and uh we'll make that clear so we're changing our church name to the chapel have you got all that all right here's what we we'll do I want to talk to you about Rise and Build because to get all that done, Rise and Build needs to happen. Here's what Rise and Build is going to do this year. Let me have a drink. This year's Rise and Build is going to pay down our debt to bring closer our future. It's going to pay down our debt. Thank you for the text. It's going to pay down our debt to bring closer an expansive future. Right now, we own both of these buildings. That is a miracle. It's a sacrifice of many, and it's quite miraculous. We own these buildings. There is no debt on these buildings apart from one thing. We borrowed for the fit-out. And so we owe money on the fit-out of this building. And, um, and the reason that happened was because we really didn't want to go into debt. We knew we had to find a solution. We had to get out of that auditorium. It was stifling us. 
And in the middle of this service last year, in a moment of silence, Mick Dormer felt like God spoke to him and said, you'll cover the gap. Who knows, that's a risky thing to hear. And so Mick Dormer and Mia Dormer and Dan Urquhart and Natalie Urquhart currently meet the payment for us on that loan. I mean, where does that happen? To be honest, that's the one story I love to tell when I'm traveling. I'll tell pastors, say, you know, our debt, which we've got no debt on our buildings, but the little debt we got on our fit out is actually covered by two business guys. And like jealousy, which is wrong and sinful, is through the roof because that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. But what we don't want to do is leave them with the debt. Like if it were you, what would you want us to do? I know what I'd want. And so we want to pay down the debt and bring closer our future. And so that's what Rise and Build will do and, and as we continue to make plans. So I'm asking you to think about that tonight and bring the future closer. And as we do, as we, as we wrap, I want you to think about these thoughts. The, Paul, when he's talking in the most famous of passages around, around giving, talks about a one-off offering, just like this one to the Corinthian church um, for brothers and sisters elsewhere. And he talks about, you know, sowing your seeds sparingly or abundantly. And, and he says, and the result of this will be, and he tells them about the result. The result's going to be that this need is going to be met. And the result's going to be uh, thanksgiving to God. The result's going to be an outpouring of um, prayer towards you from them for what you've done. Uh, the outpouring will be an indescribable they will see this as a miracle working hand of God, an indescribable gift of God, actually, the Bible says. And then he says other things like, in your generosity, this is going to be given back to you so that you can then be generous on all occasions. I mean, think about that. The Bible is saying, as the Corinthians, as you do this, not only will it get all of that accomplished, Corinthians, but I want you to know that as you pour out, the Bible says God will pour back into your life. And not only that, he'll pour in more abundantly. It's not a dollar-for-dollar dollar scheme. It's, he says he will pour in more abundantly. This is not my tricky, manipulative words. These are the pages of Holy Scripture. And it says that God will pour in more abundantly so that you can be generous and be blessed on every occasion that you will always have. And he says, so he says all of this. And so tonight, as I wrap, I want you to think about this. I love that Paul uses seed. I kind of touched on this last week. Paul uses the idea of seed. And he says... Hey, take your seed, meaning your money, and I want you to sow it generously for this cause that I have. Seed. When you look at that seed, if I give that to you, you're not like, Darren, that's awesome, thanks, heaps. <laughs> they told the story this morning that the dormers actually gave Bron and I a house. When someone gives you a house, you're like, that's awesome. When someone gives you a seed, ah. <laughs> thanks, bro. That was, that was great. Appreciate that seed. But if someone gave you the harvest from a generation of seed, if that apple seed goes into the ground, and if that apple seed becomes a tree, and if that apple seed drops, apples then drop, and that seed goes into the ground, and that seed becomes apple trees. I hope this is how it works. And it drops more apples. Pretty soon you've got a harvest from a plantation over the course of a generation that started with that. That started with that. And so the Bible comes along and says, 
hey, what you do here is like seed. And that seed has a natural value. Its natural value is probably about half a cent, unless it's in rupees. And it's worth a thousand rupees, but it's, it's about half a cent. And it has a natural value. And your money and mine is like seed. It has a natural value. Ten bucks is worth ten bucks. Ten dollars can buy you ten dollars worth of stuff. It can buy you a ten dollars McDonald's meal. It can buy you ten dollars Bulldog's cap. It can buy you ten dollars worth of anything. But that's its natural value. But the Bible says that your money and mine also has a supernatural value. Corinthians tells us that when we sow seed, when we sow, its value changes instantly, miraculously, eternally. It, it, it's shifted in a moment. That the, When you and I sow seed, then when we take it out of our hand and put it in God's hand, hey, if you're young today, let me tell you this, you, your ability to create wealth, I don't know what it's going to be like, but here's what I know. If you hold everything in your hand, if you're young, if you hold everything in your own hands, God's not going to curse you, right? He's, he's going to go, okay, you've decided that it's in your hands. Good luck with that. You can pray all you want for blessing and prospering. You've decided that it's staying in your hands. Well, he'll let you distribute that however you want. But when we take what's in our hand and do what the Bible says and release it to God, it moves from having a natural value to a supernatural value. And the Bible talks about that supernatural value and says that we're sowing something and that it has within that seed, it has harvest just like an apple seed, and it has expansion. When you and I sow financially into God's kingdom, it has, it's not only, it's supernatural seed that has within it harvest and expansion for his kingdom and for your life. And so tonight as we come, why don't you stand to your feet? Chrissy is going to come. Thanks, Chris. Hey, there's, there's no pressure from me at all to give tonight. Um, yeah, I, I want you to know that. There's absolutely no pressure. I never look at these um, details. I don't know who gives what. And I deliberately don't because I don't want to become the friend of those who give much and get a hard heart towards those who give little. But there's kingdom purpose. There's an expansive future. And there's what this does in your life. It really does do it in your life. And, and I know if, if we come open, all we have to do is come open to what the Bible says <laughs> And then listen for God's voice. As we wrap tonight, a lady came up to me this morning. I said, can I share the story? She's an older lady. She's on a pension. She doesn't have much. And she said, Darren, um, not today, but a few months ago, knowing this was coming. She said, God really spoke to me. She said, you know, like gold bars. I said, yeah. She said, I've never seen one. But she said, I've got a silver one. She said, God spoke to me and said, when the time comes, you're to give that. And honestly, standing there, because my mum was broke most of her life, I just wanted to say, hey, um, you should keep that. But then my knowledge of Scripture kicks in. Yeah. I, I can keep her from the blessing. And my knowledge of cause kicks in. And long after the silver has been spent or given or passed on, the kingdom of God will have advanced and it will have a replenishing in a life. You'll seed, harvest and expansion. This woman found a way to sacrifice out of her lack. And I want to encourage you tonight, wherever you're at, just to stay open to God. We're going to be silent for 60 seconds. We're going to pray a one-sentence prayer. And I want us to be silent and just stay open to God. Heavenly Father, we're in your hands. 
We're only trying to get done what you would have us do and what you would speak to people's hearts. So I pray you'd speak to people even now in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.